tonight, we are getting together to talk about an 80s sitcom about uh, some ladies that ran a business in the South, and it ran for seven seasons, and uh, it was all about the big hair and the shoulder pads and the putting people in their place because, uh, you know, social issues and whatnot. Good evening, and uh, here at my side is my co-host, my partner in crime, Mr. Toppy Smelly. Ladies, uh, hi everybody. Hey there, Toppy. It was quite toasty out today. Oh, good lord, was it ever. Um, yeah, it was, we're getting, you know, we're we're here now. Um, it's, 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 it's a humididity, it's a sun. Uh, it's, it's, it's summer. Is, is it pickle harvesting time yet? <laughs> no, nowhere near, nowhere near. <laughs> They're wilting on the vines, I hear. Uh, Maybe, I hope not. Well, ask me, I dare you, ask me how I've been doing. <laughs> uh, DJ, how have you been doing? Well, to quote Miss Dolly Parton, who was a, a, a favorite on tonight's topic of discussion, laughter through tears is my favorite emotion. Oh, <laughs> um, you know, for those of you who listen to my other show, Surely You Jest, um, you know, the the not so light side is we lost a, a dear member of the family and. You know, I, I, I've already cried as much as I could about that. So go listen to my goodbye over at Surely You Jest. But um, uh, can I can I just say, DJ, mm-hmm. that was really a sweet podcast. I I, I really like that. The, all the stories about um, Ali, I had not heard them before. And they're kind of a, they're just a little bit amazing, actually. <laughs> Thank you. I, I wanted to do a tribute to him because he was an extraordinary kitty, and I thought that was the best way to do it. It, it was sort of like an Irish wake, although there was no libation, but uh, you could imagine. Um, but yeah, other than that, life lately has been a little bit like that scene in Christmas Vacation Top, you know, when the cousin is emptying out his RV into the street. Because, uh, yeah, the, the uh, septic tank doctor came and said, uh, we want you to spend money. But um, fortunately, I'm married to who I am, and he's doing a crash course in uh, how to save us from spending as much as they want, at least. Well, I've never known any two people who are able to research things lickety-split <laughs> on their phones as you two. So I don't doubt it for a, a cool second. Um, DJ, um, I think um, I think uh, we've got uh, Gertie hanging around here somewhere uh, to do the intro. Um, Ger- Gertie, Gertie. Oh, she's standing yeah. there. She's over there in front of the fan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, DJ, do you want me to do the stupid intro for this thing? Yes, please, Miss. Get yourself down those stairs. All right. Hang on while I go down. Oh boy. I gotta do everything around here. Hey, that's our uh, that's our Gertie. Uh, uh, that's very Give it up for our senior showgirl. All right, blockheads, here we go. Sisters Julia and Suzanne run a design firm with their friends in the Big Peach. Jerry got big hair, shoulder pads, 
uh, and uh, bright colors. I'm doing this live, folks. Uh, not like usual. Uh, for seven, <laughs> for seven seasons, these ladies ran a business raising issues facing women and their loved ones. Take out your pantsuits and fetch some Aquanet. You're really going to need that, folks. You're going to join the Southern Bells, Dixie Carter, Delta Burke, and a whole lot more because you're going to be talking about designing women. Get it, boys. What do you get when you take a dash of the silver screen? A pinch of golden oldies and a smidgen of screaming. It's time for Matinee Minutia with your host, DJ and Toppy. Alrighty, folks. So, as you heard our senior showgirl there, we're going to be talking about uh, one of our favorite shows from the 80s, a long-running sitcom about four women that ran a design firm in Atlanta. And it, of course, had uh, the likes of up-and-coming Dixie Carter and Delta Burke and Annie Potts, fresh off of Ghostbusters, Meshach Taylor, Gene Smart, so many names. But... Uh, before we get into this show, I would like to introduce the lady who's standing so patiently behind the curtain, Midwest sweetheart turned Pacific Northwest beachcomber. Please <laughs> give it up for Miss Brenda. Hello. Thank you for having me here. Very excited. And I want to say right off the top, I'm very sorry to hear that you lost your kitty cat. There's nothing worse than losing a pet. Thank so you. So I'm sorry. We, we are um, undergoing another phase of the remodeling of our old home here. And our new viewing room in, well, in the basement, basically, is going to be called the Oliver. We're going to even have a plaque Aww. made up. So. Nice. So designing women is actually a listener request, and so here we are. That's the Looney Bird, and uh, there's a Looney Bird in um, designing women as well. But we'll get to that in a moment. Who's the listener that requested this? Uh, Lady Janet requested. Oh, this. and and she's right here in the chat room. Welcome, Janet. Let's get that trailer going. I'll get it. Sugar Bakers. Who could forget Julia? I hate to say I told you so, but I was never comfortable hiring someone who listed his hobby as trying random codes at automated teller machines. <laughs> Suzanne. I remember all my first times. <laughs> of course, I'm not going to share the intimate details, but afterwards, each one of them cried. <laughs> Charlene. So the southern woman looks at her and says, Oh, well then, where are y'all from, bitch? <laughs> and Mary Jo. I guess I should have suspected he had some sort of macho problem when all the nurses he hired always had these sort of life-threatening breasts. They had class. What was that like having a hillbilly Thanksgiving? <laughs> Did you have turkey? No, possum. They had sass. Suzanne, if sex were fast food, there'd be an arch over your bed. Now, they're all together again. We want to talk to you about Monette. 
we have reason to believe she's practicing the world's oldest profession. Monette's a carpenter? <laughs> Perfectly designed. Hi, sweetheart. How's my little pumpkin? Fine. <laughs> Hilarious in any combination. <laughs> oh, you are the best friends a girl ever had. And this sweet. Designing women. This is just wonderful. There you have it, folks. The women of designing women. Excellent. Before we get going, we do the show live. In case you didn't know, those who listen on the podcast version, every first and third Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we get a, uh, a bunch of people in our live chat room, and they can talk to us. And they can talk to each other. It's a lot of fun. Think about joining us next time on a Friday night when we have a whole new show about something else. But tonight we got Aunt Tudor, the ever-present Aunt Tudor. We have Janet, our pal from uh, just a little bit south of us. And Marn Gertz, she's come back again. And, we, of course, our old pal Tommy, who's here every single week, whether he likes it or not. <laughs> so there you go. Um DJ uh, here on the, on our little shoe. Uh, we like to think about the year uh, that this series came out. Um, and then we're talking about 86. Is that right? Yes. 1986. And All right. uh, our new yeah. tradition is our guest is going to join us in uh, retelling uh, the world in 1986. Oh. Lay it on us, Brenda. All right. Uh, so I just want to say that 86 is right in my prime of my life, you know, because I graduated high school in 82. So excellent. This is all very familiar. So setting the stage, U.S. history in 1986, the first federal Martin Luther King Jr. Day honoring Martin Luther King Jr. is observed. The first group of artists are inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which included Elvis Presley, James Brown, Little Richard. The space, the space shuttle Challenger and crew is lost to a launch disaster. Corzon Aquino became the first Filipino woman president. Top Gun is released and becomes the highest grossing film of the year, netting nearly $177 million in America alone. Ooh. The Oprah Winfrey Show debunk. Oh, debuts. <laughs> so debunks. Well, she uh, was be debunked. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> Your favorite top. I know. I love her. Not the Oprah Winfrey Show debuts on network television. Mike Tyson, one of my favorites, wins his first world boxing title by defeating Trevor Burbick in Las Vegas. Yeah, by becoming... biting off his ear. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, how that happened go. sometime. Maybe not that fight. How okay. Van Gogh of him. <laughs> Becoming the youngest heavyweight champion ever at age 20. And finally, the unemployment rate drops to 6.6%, the lowest since March of 1980. Uh, folks, uh, there's some people that were born that year in 86. It's going to make you a little uh, feel a little old if you're my age. Oh, boy. Because uh, I, I can't believe I'm going to say the name I'm going to say. Lady Gaga was born in 86. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> also, Amanda Be Beans? Bines? Bines. Bines. 
All right, Bynes. Oh, she's a former Disney actress. Now I know this lady, Megan Fox. I know this guy, Shia LaBeouf, an actor. Uh, also, you remember those cute little girls that were twins on TV? Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. Well, they were born then. Uh, what they're doing now, I'm not sure, but they, uh, I don't know. They seem possessed by zombies. Anyways, uh, Drake Bell, <laughs> Drake Bell uh, an actor-musician, was born that year. So was Lindsay Lohan, another former Disney actress and singer. And Leah Michelle. Another actress and singer, so that's awesome. DJ, so this year when we had our little designing women going on TV, who was, what was their competition? What was, what, what are, were the other programs? Alrighty. Well, in 1986, when Designing Women premiered, it was on CBS, the Peacock, or no, the Eyeball, sorry, the Eyeball, Big Brother's watching. Nah, NBC was the Peacock. Yes, and uh, it started off as Columbia Broadcast way back in the day. But anyways, uh, they started Designing Women off on Sundays at 9 o'clock. Now, over its seven-year run, it was put on at different nights and different times, and some say that that led to the end of the show, but uh, after Designing Women, it was Murder, She Wrote on CBS, Ooh. and on ABC... and That's and, another one of Brenda's favorites. Oh, one of mine, too. Um, and uh, on the other networks, on ABC and NBC, opposite to Designing Women on Sunday nights, they aired their Sunday movies. So sometimes that was a Disney tale. And Fox, well, they aired a show called Mr. President, and... Uh, Unbeknownst to many, this was a show that was done by Johnny Carson. He created it, and it starred the um, the man who was known for playing Patton in the film called Patton, Mr. George C. Scott. Yeah, but even better, he was the man that talked to dolphins in Day of the Dolphins. Ah, fa loves Pa. Pa loves Anyways, I do not remember that show at all, DJ. Uh, it must have been incredibly short-lived, uh, I guess, right? I think it only had two seasons. Oh, well, that's a lot. Well, I, I just do not remember. Brendan, do you remember Mr. President with George C. Scott on TV? No, I don't. not at all. No. Mm -mm. She's going to go right out and look, watch it right after this. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I do. I I love Jersey Scott. I I'm a little bit stunned he was ever in a TV series. Uh, folks, let's get into the cast uh, now. This is a large cast for a sitcom. Uh, and Brenda, let's start out with uh, well, some would call her the lead. Yes. So. I, I have to brag on myself first off. I just, uh, I told DJ and Toppy this earlier, but uh, I did uh, make a major commitment and watch this entire series leading up to the show. So I am well prepared. Oh, I heard myself. Okay. How many, how many seasons did this run? How many, what, uh, how many episodes did you really watch? 154. Oh, Jesus. Oh, All right. <laughs> All right. So, and I had, and I did research too, trivia and 
stuff that you may or may not know. So anyway, so we're going to get to that, folks. Just you wait. So we're going to start out with Dixie Carter. She was a. Born in Tennessee and raised there, she grew up around Memphis, uh, began her career in theater in the late 60s. Her first television role was on daytime TV in a soap opera in the mid-70s. One of her earliest well-known roles was as Maggie Drummond, second wife on Different Strokes. Dixie then was cast in Filthy Rich, produced by Linda Bloodworth Thomason, who created and produced Designing Women, which co-starred Delta Burke. Uh, Dixie had 15 acting credits prior to starring in Designing Women. Later, she would star in three seasons of Family Law, ran from 99 to 2002, before passing in 2010 from cancer. And uh, before we get into the rest of the cast, I'm going to take a moment here to share with you a moment from the show. Now, Dixie Carter's character as the older sister now and then had to stand up for her little sister. Of course, she also was uh, very outspoken about certain civil issues, and uh, we'll get to more of that in a bit. But first... Here we have Julia walking into the dressing room after her sister Suzanne has attended a beauty pageant. Excuse me. Aren't you Marjorie Lee Winnick, the current Miss Georgia World? Why, yes, I am. I'm Julia Sugarbaker, Suzanne Sugarbaker's sister. I couldn't help overhearing part of your conversation. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't know anyone was here. Yes, and I gather from your comments there are a couple of other things you don't know, Marjorie. For example, you probably didn't know that Suzanne was the only contestant in Georgia pageant history to sweep every category except congeniality. And that is not something the women in my family aspire to anyway. Or that when she walked down the runway in her swimsuit, five contestants quit on the spot. Or that when she emerged from the isolation booth to answer the question, what would you do to prevent war? She spoke so eloquently of patriotism, battlefields, and diamond tiaras. Grown men wept. And you probably didn't know, Marjorie, that Suzanne was not just any Miss Georgia. She was the Miss Georgia. She didn't twirl just a baton. That baton was on fire. Look, that's... And when she threw that baton into the air, it flew higher, further, faster than any baton has ever flown before, hitting a transformer and showering the darkened arena with sparks. Look. And when it finally did come down, Marjorie, my sister caught that baton and 12,000 people jumped to their feet for 16 and one half minutes of uninterrupted thunderous ovation as flames illuminated her tear-stained face and that Marjorie just so you will know and your children will someday know is the night the lights went out in Georgia (laughs) There you go. So that the, uh, these two characters, Dixie Carter and Delta Burke, on the show, they portrayed sisters. So that was one sister defending the other. And the next member of the cast that we have here in Designing Women, working in the firm of Sugar Baker and Associates, is Miss Annie Potts. She's fresh off from Ghostbusters a couple of years before. She's been working in film, 
And just like several of her castmates, she is a Southern woman. She was born in Tennessee, grew up in Kentucky. And her first film role was in the decade before. Now, can you imagine this, Toppy? Her first film role was with the hottie Luke Skywalker, Mr. Mark Hamill. And it was in a film in 78 called Corvette Summer. All right, I got to tell you. I think I want to say Corvette Summer was the first movie Mark Hamill did after Star Wars. The first movie. Hmm, I wonder if it was before or after his infamous accident. Uh, maybe he had the accident doing this movie with oh. the Corvette. No, I don't know that. that- uh, but he, he did have an accident between... Star Wars Empire. That uh, brings an interesting theory. So uh, Annie Potts had five <laughs> film credits prior to starring in Designing Women. She starred along with Bill Murray in Ghostbusters in 84, of course, also with um, Dan Aykroyd. And uh, in uh, she was also in, uh, in 86, the year that Designing Women uh, premiered. She was in Pretty in Pink. With Molly Ringwald, one of my favorite movies. And she was also in Jumpin' Jack Flash in 86. Now, some of you who uh, have been paying attention, we last talked about Troop Beverly Hills in our last episode. And uh, Shelley Long turned down the part to be in Jumpin' Jack Flash. So Annie Potts almost got to work with her. Uh, and uh, she was originally offered the role that went to Glenn Close in Fatal Attraction because she mm. accepted Designing Women. Can we imagine that? Is that pot? Because you just you can't really. No. But. And then, uh, of course, more recently, Annie Potts. She's still working. She's starring in CBS's prequel series. It's a spinoff of The Big Bang Theory called Young Sheldon and. Uh, Toppy and I and Tommy, we attended our sci-fi convention here this last year. What's his name? Uh, does the voice uh, uh, of the, the Ferengi, and it was in Princess Bride, Toppy. Wallace Shawn. Annie Potts stars with Wallace Shawn in Young Sheldon. And Annie Potts, I do believe, plays Sheldon's, uh, I'm assuming, grandma, because her character's name is Meemaw. And uh, that's uh, Texan for Grandma. Give us the name of this again. Oh, uh, Young Sheldon. I love that Wallace, Sean. We got to see him in person, didn't we? We sure did. And uh, he had some talk about uh, a fan favorite film. What was it? Dinner or or Dinner with Andre? Yeah, that was absolutely fan favorite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, let's talk about Misak Taylor. So he was a theater actor and son of a college dean. He broke into television with guest appearances on MASH and the Golden Girls. And after designing women, he starred in Dave's World. That was with Henry Harry Anderson. That was four seasons. He was the guy that was the judge in Night Court. Not, not, Not Meshach Taylor, but Harry Anderson. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> that was from Four Seasons, 93 to 97. And he portrayed a plastic surgeon in Dave's world, right? Right. Okay. Uh, after that, he was on three seasons of Nickelodeon's, and uh, that, that was called Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide. That was from 2004 to 2007. But we ran into him, DJ, earlier on Matt Namanusha, in a mannequin we did it was our valentine's episode last year and our guest was matt 
And he um, was a great, uh, he just had a great splashy character in that movie that he did uh, justice to. Um, Brenda, uh, we got another one of the ladies. Yes, Jean Smart, who is one of my favorite actresses, and um, she's done really a variety of things. Um, She was a voice in a cartoon called The Oblongs alongside Will Ferrell. I don't know if, did you guys ever see The Oblongs? Oh, one of my favorite shows. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. She was the wife. So Jean Smart, who is a a Washingtonian. She was the only person from the cast that was not really from the South. Um, she was a theater actress whose first roles were in television, and they were, sorry, they were guest appearances on The Facts of Life and Remington Steel. Ooh, Remington Steel. <laughs> I never watched that. She departed designing women after five seasons to focus on her family. Afterwards, she starred in several TV movies, including the 1994 sequel to Gone with the Wind, Scarlet. This is dis- disturbing. I didn't know she was in this. <laughs> As oh, she had a good role. She had a good role in Oh, that. Brenda, oh. Uh, Brenda uh, fetch a couple of episodes back. Our Valentine's episode this year was devoted to Scarlet. So she played Rhett Butler's hometown friend, Sally Bruton. In the year 2000, she had a series of guest appearances on Frasier as the love interest. In 2001, what's this? Oh, she lended her voice to the, oh, I just uh, talked about this, sorry. Mm -hmm. Lended her voice to the animated role of the drunken housewife Pickles on the Oblongs, Will Ferrell and Leah Delaria. Yes. Um, she also voiced the mother of an animated on an animated series, Kim Possible. Five seasons of that. Wow. Yeah. All right. um, also on that on the Oblongs were a couple of my favorite stand up comedians, the Scalar brothers, and they're the ones that played the conjoined twins. <laughs> so. Toppy, you, you, we have to get you into the Oblongs because I'm not a huge Will Ferrell fan but I can tolerate him when he's doing a voice for a character. And right. uh, Gene Smart is just infectious as the drunken housewife. And um, they basically live near a, uh, I think it's a nuclear waste dump, so they're deformed. Oh. Yeah, D- disgustingly so. They live downhill, so like all the pretty people live up on the hill and oh. all the poor people who got all the nu- the waste or down at the bottom of the hill. Oh, that's where I'd be. Yeah. <laughs> Before we go ahead and move on to the next member of our cast here, we are about halfway through the program. Hi, Brenda. Hi, Katie. Just tell me your favorite candy to eat for movies. Oh, that would be uh, the, the the mints, the little tiny mints. The junior mints. Junior mints, yes. Is that Those it? Are my favorite. All right, because they make you feel cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, baby. All right. I am going to go ahead and play for you a little um, clip from Entertainment Tonight in 2014. Now, uh, both Dixie Carter and Misak Taylor have passed on, so we only have a few of the cast members remaining, and this is a, a tribute, a memory of him. By the way, they want you to replace those burlap bar stools 
It seems a couple of people got rope burned. Well, now we have some sad news to report. Tonight, Hollywood mourns the death of one of its favorites. Nancy and Rob, Designing Women star Meshack Taylor passed away this weekend after a long battle with cancer. So today I sat down with and spoke to his longtime friend and former TV wife on Designing Women, Jack A. Harry, about this really sad loss. Georgia, Georgia. Meshack was so talented, he even sang the show's theme song during tapings. He was a sweet soul. All the designing women loved him. And today, Jack A. was mourning her good friend. He, Meshack, was a gift. And um, if you never saw him, I'm sorry. You missed it. I love it when a man's first words are, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, now, actually, darling, I think what I said was, what the hell do you think you're doing? (laughs) Taylor passed away Saturday at his home. He fought cancer bravely until the end at age 67. How long had he been battling cancer? He's been battling cancer two and a half years. When you heard that he did indeed pass, what did you, how did you react? Oh, no, I was okay. Because I knew, you know, once you know, it's like any day now. But he still was very strong and not, uh, he wasn't afraid. On Designing Women, Meshack played the assistant to four sassy Southern Belle interior decorators. Originally, his role was to be short-lived. The chemistry was so good between Delta and I that uh, they really thought that maybe we'll bring him back. Suzanne, let me give you a little piece of advice, okay? Okay. Don't worry about that. Meshack earned an Emmy nomination in 1989, and E.T. spent Emmy morning with him and his family at his secluded, woodsy Altadena, California home. It's really quiet up here. A nice uh, break from Hollywood. It was clear that family meant everything to him. This is my daughter Yasmin, and she's an African-American princess. (laughs) You wash your hands? Yeah, I wash my hands. (laughs) Recently, Meshack had been in hospice care for his cancer, but he loved acting so much he continued to work. He appeared this season on Criminal Minds with his longtime friend Joe Montaigne, and you could hear in his voice how sick he was. My son Thomas and his wife live on the other side of those hills. It had worked, his treatments, and then it just stopped. He had been sick a long time, so he knew, you know, that it, um, he was in his final stages, so he knew. Jack A. last spoke to Meshack just two days before his passing. What was the conversation like? He said he was, he was getting ready to make his transition. He said, I'm passing through, baby. He was an incredible talent, and Taylor leaves behind his wife of 31 years, Bianca, four children and four grandchildren. He will be missed. Hey, we are back. So continuing on with the cast, we have the sassy, the raven-haired, Delta, well, sometimes raven-haired, Delta Burke. And uh, she, of course, played the younger sister of the twosome, Suzanne, the uh, beauty pageant queen. Now, uh, Delta Burke, she was a former Miss Florida, so it wasn't... She wasn't playing anything too far from the truth. She was married to actor Gerald McRaney. She still is today. As you might see in the chat room, Tommy posted a picture of a young Gerald McRaney. Also, I want to mention, as we just talked about our previous guest, Mr. Matt Burlingame of Spanking B. Arthur, and more recently, Chubb's Gone Wild, uh, we have Matt in the chat room. A round of applause for a returning audience member now uh delta burke started off in television with guest roles on the fall guy 
And uh, that was a show with Lee Majors playing a stuntman. And, sure was. And uh, she was also on Fantasy Island looking for the plane. And uh, she was in Murder, She Wrote as a guest. And, of course, as Miss Brenda fawned over Remington Steel. Mm. That fawn was, I didn't know what the hell that show was ever about. That's what that noise meant. <laughs> <laughs> and here I thought you were trapped in uh, the uh, mister's eyes there. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> now, after Delta left Designing Women uh, five seasons in... It was kind of over a labor dispute. She said that they they uh, had them working long hours on the set, which wasn't far from the truth. I mean, it, all you have to do is listen to the the stories of the cast members of Star Trek Voyager back in those days. They worked long and hard hours, and the studio supposedly even locked the doors on them to keep them working. Uh, Delta left Designing Women for her own short-lived series called Delta, and it was on ABC, so she changed networks there in 92. But it only lasted a season. And uh, she has since been acting on Broadway in a re- uh, reproduction of Thoroughly Modern Millie in 2003. And she originated the role of Truvy, played by Dolly Parton, in the film version of Steel Magnolias. Hey, I have some information regarding Delta Burke's very abrupt leaving of the show. Can I share it with you? Do tell us. So, um, what I found out on random websites was that, um, yes, she was very upset by these very long working hours. And she got so that she was, like, very unreliable showing up on the set so it got so that like they would write a script that included her and a script that didn't have her in there and this got the the other the rest of the cast really wound up and then another thing she was doing she was speaking to the press telling really talking down about the show about the producers the bad conditions so eventually they they had a vote and her co co-workers co-stars voted her off the show and when she did her last episode of the fifth season there is no indication that she's going to be gone and in that sixth season there's like one sentence devoted to the fact that she's not there and they totally move on so it was pretty ugly actually um is that even legal that you can vote your co-star off the show. When does that become legal? Well, I think the producers said, listen, what are you guys, how are you guys feeling? So I I imagine that's how it went down. Like, we want to hear what you think. You have to work with her, too. Well, and it's also convenient, too, that it happened around that fifth season because um, I, I've learned through various programs that I've uh followed over the years that usually folks who are signed to a television series after a pilot is picked up are contracted for a set amount of seasons and I've heard that three or four is usually the norm so the fact that she left after the fifth season basically meant they were probably due to renew their contracts with the station or the network and um, you know money talks and if the uh, talent was going to walk they probably said I guess Delta's got to go well, her and Dixie Carter butted heads a lot. 
apparently through a majority of the show they were good friends but at some point they you know they fell apart and there were two very strong personalities so um dixie carter probably was not that sad to see her go and they were estranged from each other for like 10 years after that ah all right well let me just mention uh just to round up the the uh, number of stars that would have reoccurring roles and one is Scott Bakula, who we know from many t- television series now, but uh, he was kind of a fresh face at that point. She played Ted Shively. It's Shively, for God's <laughs> sakes. Brenda is correct. I, <laughs> I, I've been exposed. She was Mary Jo's ex-husband. He was a gynecologist. <laughs> uh, but uh, the other reoccurring character was our, well, my wonderful Alice Ghostly. <laughs> Uh, who cannot love her? And she was billed as a special guest star throughout the series, apparently. And uh, her role was Bernice Clifton. And she was just an eccentric family friend of the Sugar Bakers. And here we go. Gerald McRaney. Uh, we saw him uh, shirt off in a previous photo. And she played Suzanne's first husband. Uh, and finally, uh, one of my favorite actors ever, Hal Holbrook, was on the shoe. Uh, as Reese Walston, <laughs> Julia's love interest. And, uh, well, he was killed off in season five because Holbrook wanted to go over to a show called Evening Shades and be in that. Uh, but um, uh, we do know that Hal Holbrook was, was in real life married to who? Who was he married to? Dixie Carter. Dixie Carter. And Jean... Smart met her husband, who uh, played J.D., Mary Jo's boyfriend. They met on the set, and they got married. And then um, Delta Burke met her husband on the set, and uh, they got married. Uh, played her first husband, Gerald McRaney. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. So a lot of marriage going on on that show. You know, I th- I think that the dressing rooms on this TV show were very busy. Do you get that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to the creative team very briefly. Uh, very famous. I mean, her name was synonymous with the show. Linda Bloodworth Thomason. She grew up in Missouri, moved to L.A., became a writer. She also created Evening Shade that I just mentioned. By the way, do you remember that starred Burt Reynolds? It did. In 94, she was awarded the Women in Film Lucy Award in recognition of her excellence and innovation in her creative works, which I think was deserved. Uh, this series really wasn't anything else like it. All women, perspective of women, that was Linda Bloodworth Thomason, and she made this happen. So um, um, she has a long career. Do we know anything if she's doing anything today? Do we know? Lady Jenna in the chat room may have an answer for us. Now, Toppy, one little side note that I wanted to get to because I just read it recently. In light of the, the Me Too movement and all that's gone down in Hollywood with... Um, equal pay. Uh, Linda Bloodworth Thomason spoke to the Hollywood Reporter in 2018, and she told the paper that while she worked at CBS, 
the head honcho, Les Moonvis, well, he kept her shows off the air for seven years. And by that, I mean she wrote script after script for pilots, and all of them got stopped in their tracks by Mr. Les Moonvis, according to Linda Bloodworth Thomason. Mm. Can I say something about the beginning of the this, what would become known as a... Designing women. I have some trivia. Sure. So uh, Linda's mother contracted AIDS from a a bad blood transfusion. So she was up in the hospital. So I'm going to say like 84, 85, something like that. And she was sitting by her mother's bedside. And so she was writing that first season while she was staying there with her mother. And um, if you remember in the very first season, there's an episode about a a colleague who was gay that had AIDS. And a lot of this was drawn from her experience of being up there on the AIDS wards because she saw just how shabbily the nursing staff and the doctors were to these AIDS patients and how she watched many people die alone, how the nurses would put medicine in like, you know, like a tub and kick it towards the bed, uh, wouldn't even go in there. And she overheard one of the nurses say, if you ask me, this disease is killing the right people. Mm. So if you'll notice, which I noticed, there's a lot of references about um, gay people throughout the whole show. And I feel like she's she's an advocate for uh, gay people. Correct? Yeah. And Delta Burke is also well known as a advocate of gay rights. Now, Brenda, you actually provide us with a good segue as you bring that up now. Before we continue on, and I would like to devote the rest of the show, if it's okay, to talking about some of our favorite moments and favorite episodes. But uh, there were quite a few times that Designing Women used their platform to raise important issues for awareness. And there was an episode in the early part of the series that uh, I'm forgetting the actor's name right now, but uh, would later star with... um, well, what's his name that was in Dirty Dancing, Toppy? Um, he, he was in the movie Ghost. Yes, I'm trying to remember. Swayze. Yes. Swayze. So, so the, the actor that appeared in this episode of Designing Women, where a friend of the Sugar Bakers who was dying from AIDS asked them to plan his funeral, was played by an actor who later appeared in Ghost, with Patrick Swayze, and uh, here we're going to play a moment from that episode. Hi, anybody home? Hi, Hi Kendall. Come on in. I'm glad you came. We saw the room, and I've got a fabric sample to show you. And I have some antique flower baskets that Mary Jo found that I'll show you. What's the matter? Nothing. You just surprised me, taking my hand. You mean because... Yeah. In the hospital, even some of the nurses refused to come in my room. I'm a Jean. Why don't you take that book over the counter, hon? I'll be over in just a second to write up the order. I can't believe that. I mean, if hospital people are going to act that way, how can they expect the public to behave any better? What I want to know is how do you guys get so smart? Well, we read. Oh, and I went to see Julia's and my family doctor, and he told me that you can't get AIDS from touching anybody. You can only get it from uh, sex, blood products, and shared needles. I'll tell you something that makes me mad about the whole thing. You about to get fired up? Just a little. I 
was reading in yesterday's papers about all these Hollywood producers who are now going to depict people not sleeping around because of AIDS. What I want to know is, what was wrong with not sleeping around before AIDS? I mean, God forbid that anybody would be sexually discriminating because it's virtuous or loyal or classy. No. Now it's as if they found a whole new reason for people to have morals again. Is that the boy who's doing all your planning? Where'd you hear that? Well, I just heard the rumors, but I didn't actually believe it was true. Now, I don't like to hurt anyone's feelings, but if these boys hadn't been doing what they do, they wouldn't be getting what's coming to them now. Imogene, gays aren't the only ones getting it. No, but they're the ones who started it. Actually, nobody knows how it got started. Gays are just one of the first groups that showed up in. Yes, and for a good reason. You reap what you sow, and you boys brought this on yourselves. As far as I'm concerned, this disease has one thing going for it. It's killing all the right people. Imogene, I'm terribly sorry. I'm going to have to ask you to move your car. Why? Because you're leaving. What are you talking about? I'm talking about the only thing worse than all these people who've never had any morals before AIDS are all you holier-than-thou types who think you're exempt from getting it. Well, for your information, I am exempt. I haven't lived like these people, and I don't care what you say, Julia Sugarbaker. I believe this is God's punishment for what they've done. Oh, yeah? Then how come lesbians get it less? That is not for me to say. I just know that these people are getting what they deserve. Imogene, get serious. Who do you think you're talking to? I've known you for 27 years, and all I can say is, if God was giving out sexually transmitted diseases to people as a punishment for sinning, then you would be at the free clinic all the time. <laughs> and so would the rest of us. Yeah. Okay, wow. Uh, folks, that was like leading, <coughs> leading shit at that time. And it was in the writing of the show. Can I posit that that today, what I hope, um, people who make art and write stories and do television series, that maybe we'll hear this kind of thing on television real soon about George Floyd, police brutality, racism, um, because... Uh, a show like Designing Women that did a story like that kind of went a long way. It was kind of, kind of important. And I think, you know, that's what's needed today um, about things that are happening right now. We need to have our artists do it, and we need to have stories like that. Um, so, anyways, that's just kind of something that designing women was known for is, is being on, on the ball. And uh, for those of you who uh, may not have dived as deep and maybe haven't watched as much designing women uh, behind the scenes, Dixie Carter was actually somebody who held more conservative um, beliefs on issues. And one of the agreements that she had with the Bloodworth Thomases the Thomasons is that uh, for every time they would make her do a speech that takes a stance on liberal issues, because Dixie Carter was a theater actress and had many talents, sometime soon thereafter she would get to perform a song showcasing her talent. So, um, Ken, I have things I want to add, please, to this discussion. Yes, please, Brenda. It's a, a variety of things that I checked off on my little pad of paper here. Yes. So, so when Anthony 
So this is just all r- random trivia. So I think you might find it interesting. So when Anthony would talk about his time in jail, he always called it my unfortunate incarceration. And I hated that cool. during the show. I hated it. It's just like, God, you are just beating that to death. And I kept track of every time it was said. And out of those 154 episodes, it was only said 10 times. But I felt like they said it constantly. Isn't that, I just thought that was really weird. My perception was way off about that. Hmm. Um, Bill Cosby gets many, he gets three mentions. And in one of them, he they say Bill Cosby is such a great role model for black people. And we all know what happened with that. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopsie. Um, <clears throat> Spilling the tea. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's, uh, you know, that's hindsight. He, what else did you, uh, in your deep dive, and let's remind the folks that in a short period of time, Brenda blew through every single episode. Yes. So I wrote down a list of things that are no longer um, in our culture. They've been outdated, whatever. So these are just, these are really short car phones you really don't hear about people having a phone permanently attached in their car anymore talked about pagers um somebody sent a a telegram to julie or um (laughs) julia's boyfriend there was a telegram um and there's all kinds of letters coming in that were vitally important. Why they didn't pick up the phone, I don't know. Uh, there was a big old Rolodex on Charlene's desk. Uh, they mentioned the sign-off on TV with the sermon. The sermonette, they called it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, they referenced the uh, Walton's trope of goodnight, John Boy. They made a thing about that. Yeah, I just want to interrupt for a second. Brenda, Janet in the trap room says, uh, and I I know you know this too, Brenda, uh, is that Trump is mentioned. Yes. More than once. Can he is. Do you have anything about that? I just wrote down that he was mentioned a few times. Not much. All right. yeah, probably right around when he was doing the pizza commercial with his soon-to-be ex-wife. <laughs> oh, they mentioned they mentioned Trump. When he is spotted at the Kmart with his ex-wife, <laughs> Janet, I wonder in the chat room if you can fill us in on what you remember. Like, how did they portray Trump? Was he the butt of jokes, or what was that all about, Janet? If you remember, uh, let was, us the chat. It wasn't that bad of jokes. <laughs> all right, so they reference Guy Lombardo. I'm wondering if anybody. Any kid of you know any like millennial even knows who Guy Lombardo is. I do. I do. Once a year, <laughs> I do too. But <laughs> um, they used payphones many times. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Um, it's kind of funny. In an early episode, they got sprayed perfume um, by like a, a girl at a department store, and then later on, many episodes later. They were talking about, like, where did magazines get off putting these scented pieces of paper in the magazines? And they were like, isn't that awful? People might be allergic to this. And I thought that was weird. Um, they made many. They made references to MTV, and that was way before it was all just reality shows. Um, mm-hmm. They mentioned the fact that Elvis was still alive, which was a big talk talking point back then. Um Oh, you mean like um, 
you know, uh, but he wasn't dead. He was yeah, alive. Yeah, conspiracy theories, right? About yeah. Um, Suzanne Sugarbaker said he's a cripple. You could never get away with saying that today. I don't mm-hmm. think. No way. Whoopsie. Um. Hmm. Were you gonna say something, Toppy? No, I just said whoopsie. Um. Baby monitors were brand new during the show. They mentioned that. Uh, it's probably the first time when they overheard something that they shouldn't have. They've done that in shows, so many shows over the years. Um, everybody in their giant glasses, along with their big shoulder pads and their big <laughs> hair, the yes, giant yes. glasses. Yes, shoulder pads and giant glasses. That was the air, folks. And Brenda confirmed this. But wasn't a thing going on at that time with makeup, like it, it, uh, blue eyeshadow or blue, just lots of blue around my eyes, right? Well, yeah, that was a that was a leftover from the seventies. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Oh, all right. I from just remember 70s. Tammy Faye Baker and her famous blue eyeshadow. Ooh, yes. Well, they mentioned Tammy Faye too. There's ah. so many references of the time. Of it's just like a perfect time capsule of all the the news of that time too um anthony wanted a new vcr you know about what, how those went the way of right um they actually mentioned bill clinton they were celebrating his inauguration in one episode mm, um I they talk hmm? i bet they were they mentioned chain letters, uh, which is, I hope that's a thing of a time past. They were looking at tabloids. Charlene was always looking at a, ta- like at a, it was like a National Enquirer, only didn't say that on the front. Um, what's this? Oh, and uh, somebody went on a date. This goes along with your um, AIDS conversation. And somebody asked, was it... Um, was it Mary Jo, I think? I think it was Mary Jo. He asked, had she been tested? And he had a card to show that he was negative, and he had it laminated so he could show her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they mentioned uh, another another trope during that time was everybody was seeing the face of Elvis on everything. And Mary Jo supposedly had a, a, a um, shovel that had his face on it. Um, and then they made two comments making fun of Sally Field's infamous speech at the Oscars about, you like me, you really like me. Two wow. separate episodes they did that. That's, that's <laughs> taking it back. That's taking it back. Yeah. So we um, only have mm-hmm. a few more minutes here. Uh, if it's all yeah. right with you, I just want to do a quick jaunt through some of the best episodes of uh, fan favorites. So we have a top five of fan favorites of Designing Women. And uh, this is a list I found on Ranker, R-A-N-K-E-R. It's a website for voting on your favorites. And uh, the the, uh, number one favorite episode was from the second season. It's called Reservations for Two. A romantic ski weekend becomes a battle of the sexes when an avalanche sidelines the sugar bakers, ladies, and their boyfriends. Well, in that case, a lot of them were their future husbands, too, because as we were saying, Gerald McRaney and um, Hal Holbrook was in there and uh, Gene Smart's future boy or husband, too, I think. Uh, I'll skip ahead here. We've got Nightmare for Hee Haw. The women get trapped in the backwoods. 
Uh, Beauty Pageant, which the clip I played was from. Uh, Full Moon was a season three episode, and uh, Mary Jo gets stuck on a camping trip with her daughter and boyfriend. And then uh, rounding out the top five is a Mary Jo episode called Bachelor Suite. And this one, uh, well, it showcases a theme of domestic violence because Mary Jo uh, gets to design a, uh, a, uh, a home for a bachelor and she finds herself cornered in the end. And, uh, well, it's not a pretty sight, so uh, I won't uh, trigger anyone, but it has certain themes of domestic violence. So, guys, before we wrap things up, let's go around, and this is your chance to mention if you have a favorite moment or a favorite episode of Designing Women. You guys go ahead. What's your favorite episodes? One of my very favorites, I think it's in this first season, too, is when Suzanne decides that she's going to be a foster parent for that little uh, boat baby, is what she called him, a boat child. And she turned her into a, a mini-me. That's one of my very favorite episodes. Oh, oh, oh. Ah. Oh, that was so perfect. It... Um, it, it reminded me that there was a period of time in the 80s when it seemed very popular, possibly because of the recentness of the Vietnam War, that a lot of people who were adopting children were adopting them from places like China and Vietnam and Korea. And uh, I had a school teacher that uh, adopted a daughter from the Far East. So um, one of my favorite episodes was one that was actually introduced to me by our uh, listener, Lady Janet, in the chat room and uh, the uh, listener who requested tonight's topic. And uh, this was a uh, fourth season two-parter and uh, I'm forgetting the whole name of it. It was something like the the first day of the last decade of the 20th century. And uh, it basically involved Gene Smart's character, Charlene, who was expecting. And she was going to have her first baby. Now, of course, uh, Suzanne, the beauty queen, has always got a trick up her sleeve. And she was trying to figure out how to get her car for her maid, who uh, I'm forgetting her name right now, but she also was on Will and Grace's The Maid, and that, that actress has since passed on recently. Con- Consuela. Yes. So uh, Suzanne wanted to win a car, and if someone has a baby after midnight on New Year's, they're going to get, well, Charlene's in the hospital, and uh, Suzanne is making the rounds and finding out who's closest to giving birth, and Dolly Parton ends up uh, guesting in this two-parter, and Charlene sees her in a dream. She tells her that she's going to give birth to a girl. She even tells her her name and that she's her um, movie star guardian angel. Oh, yes. Uh, we have some moments with the family friend, Bernice. And uh, Lady Janet will tell you Bernice is life because uh, she just has these moments of clarity where she speaks the truth and uh, <laughs> Alice Ghostly, yes, Alice Ghostly's character Bernice, and uh, very uh, appropriately, she shows up at the Sugar Bakers wearing a gift from Mary Jo Annie Potts' character. It's a Christmas tree skirt, but she didn't know it was for the Christmas tree, she just thought it was a Christmas tree skirt, so she's wearing it around her waist. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> Lovely. Oh. All right. 
uh, one of the things that that I find humorous about eh, light criticism about the show is that after you know little girls watching the show would become enamored of the life of an interior designer which is what this whole this is what they were doing on the show they were an interior design outfit and so many girls grew up this is what I've heard believing that this is such a wonderful thing this is what I want to do for a living what character did the designing oh Annie Potts mostly (gasps) DJ what say you I would agree because the other folks each had their own responsibilities. Julia was the, um, the the lady that made all the ordering decisions. She was always signing the invoices. And Charlene okay. was answering the phone. She was the office manager, I think, wasn't she, Brenda? Correct. Yes. All right. So we're just going to give a brief mention of some other things that you might enjoy if you like designing women. I'll go first because I enjoy stories about strong women just like designing women another 80s television show that I would highly recommend is of course the long-running soap opera Dallas mostly because of the uh, the main character's wife Sue Ellen she gets done wrong quite often and uh, at a certain point she gets even and it's delicious <laughs> indeed you do Uh, Nice one, DJ. Uh, I would recommend Murphy Brown. And actually, uh, if I'm correct, um, Designing Women for many years led into Murphy Brown. Uh, Murphy Brown was on the same network and it came right after. And it was a great pairing, really, uh, you know, some genius programming about women, uh, concentric television series. So I recommend that. But also just... uh, Another another uh, sitcom that virtually happened at the same time, uh, Newhart, that was with Bob Newhart. I don't know, everyone wore shoulder pads and blue eye makeup. And also, <laughs> also Knott's Landing, uh, just to give you another one of them, their primetime uh, soaps. Many women with shoulder pads and lots of eye makeup. <laughs> Brent, Brent. Well, I'm just going to recommend the to me, which was the first thing that popped in my head, and that is the um, older version of the show, which would be Golden Girls, and they were direct competitors. They had so many episodes that were exactly the same topic. Now, they handled it differently, but um, there were several times that... Um, uh, on Golden Girls, where they made snide comments about designing women. I remember really? that. Yeah. I mean, they would blatantly say that was Sophia. Yeah. Women. Oh, I don't remember what they said, but she was basically something like wasting your time, like designing women, or, you know, I can't remember what they said, but it was like at least twice over the series. Uh, so interesting. Um, I, you know, who doesn't, you know, for heaven's sakes. DJ, you must love designing. I mean, I mean, Golden Girls. <laughs> oh, I adore that. And, um, you know, there was a time in my childhood when I had just recently moved and I was the new kid in town. And my best friend was the old lady that lived across the street. Her, her daughter was my mom's boss. 
and uh, she just had the best stories. She was an ex-army nurse, and I knew it was time to go when she told me her stories were coming on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that is something that uh, people of the day called their soaps. They call their stories. Yeah. I, I want to pose this one question. Yeah. Why is it that in Golden Girls that was set in Miami and Designing Women that was set in Atlanta, Georgia, why did they wear so many layers of clothes, sweaters, <laughs> coats? They were head to toe in clothes in some of the hottest weather in these United States. That's all. All right. I, I can postulate, like, the first thing that comes to mind is, like, everybody in those environments lived in air-conditioned units that, you know, made it freezing cold. And, and so everyone inside was freezing cold, and they needed to put a sweater on and everything. And then, of course, <laughs> once they stepped outside, they'd die, and their hair would wilt. Well, I just uh, know that B. Arthur w- may have been dressed from head but not to toe because she was famous for uh, performing without shoes. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So oh, just, I guess I have heard that. Brenda seriously just watched him, and you really... I, I, here's a typical question uh, all these years later. Brenda, did they hold up over time? I am so nostalgic for that time of my life that, to me, it's like perfect. Uh, somebody that's not as attached to the 80s might go, yeah, it probably doesn't hold up. Right. It's a little stilted. You can tell that Linda Thomason is one of the only writers. She puts the same kind of dialogue in different people's voices. So I don't know if it holds up, but I loved it. So. DJ, what say you? As far as the show, like uh, standing up, you know, to time, you know. Oh, you know, aside from the, you know, the day-to-day things, like the fact that they had a Rolodex instead of a computer, I think that this these situations all still apply today. I mean, it would be interesting to see how these conversations would be updated for today. My guess is that that show seemed to talk about things that were going on in the world. And I'm sure, you know, I bet you anything, if the show is being produced today, they would be... Probably even dealing, you know, maybe they'd be wearing kerchiefs over the face. Say, I watched a reunion that was done a while back before Dixie Carter passed on. And Annie Potts said at the time, and this was like 2009, that if Designing Women was still on the air at the time, they probably could have gotten uh, uh, marriage equality past that. (laughs) Mm. Uh, Brenda, I want you to know that uh, Cronhaven joined us at some point in here. Hi, Cronhaven. Hi, Cronhaven. And I wanted you to know that she said, I'm glad to hear Brenda's take on the show. Oh, thank you very much. So, Toppy, uh, we're going to wander out here to the lobby. And if you will, grab that bag of coins the magician left so we can figure out what's coming up next. That's right, folks. Uh, It's all divination. uh, Quite supernatural, really. Uh, possibly not, but uh, go ahead and uh, uh, here's your coin, DJ. Okay, put that in there. Let's see what's gonna pop out. Okay, all right, open that capsule. All right, from the director of Daniel Craig's second Bond film and Brad Pitt's zombie film, an early 2000s biography drama. Starring Tim Burton's favorite leading man, Johnny Depp, and Kate Winslet in the story of the author of Peter Pan. Next time on Matinee Minutia, 
our Father's Day special, Finding Neverland. Join us on Friday, June 15th at 9 p.m. Eastern here on Univaz. Excellent. Oh, we're getting back to the movies. All righty. Well, we want to thank you for joining us, Miss Brenda. Thank you. I really enjoyed uh, revisiting these shows. I was laughing my ass off a lot of times. It was uh, a lot of fun. Let me thank the uh, chat room one last time. Everybody, sure. thank you. The Intuder, Cronhaven, Marin Gertz. Thank you so much for coming by again. Thank you, Spanky. That spanking B. Arthur. He does that Chubb's Gone Wild little shoe. God, it comes out like clockwork. How does he do it? I don't know. Uh, Tommy, our pal Tommy, thanks for coming back again and again and again. We really appreciate it. I know, Miss Brenda, you're not really uh, easy to track down these days, but I I hear that you've got a friend who does a show, and uh, yes. they might be doing uh, a continued conversation on this. Go ahead and tell the folks where, where they might hear your friend. The name of that is uh, Not Quite a Cat Lady with Vivian Lee. Hence oh, I've heard the name. Vivian. I know, yeah, okay. All right. Same name as uh, their their favorite um, heroine, Scarlett O'Hara. All right. Well, uh, we thank you once again for joining us, Miss Brenda, and have fun combing those beaches in Tonopa. <laughs> say say good night, Gracie. Hey, uh, folks. Good night, Gracie. Good night, Gracie. Thank you for listening to Matinee Minutia. Our show streams live on the first and third Friday of the month. Go to univazpods.net. Click the tower for audio. Enter discord for chat you can find our show anywhere you listen to podcasts visit our webpage at matineeminutia.com tweet us on twitter at matineeminutia find our group on facebook have an idea for a show or let us know how we're doing email us at matineeminutia at gmail.com just gone wild with Matt and Tom speak up the smell cast by Tommy Smelly. Be heard. Tastes like burning with Tim and James. Unique voices in podcasting. The Shy Life Podcast with me, Paul the Shy Yeti. Univazpods.net.